time for re-engineering your finances with the founder of CP Weldy Group, Charles Weldy. Hey there, welcome to another edition of Re-Engineering Your Finances with Charles Weldy. On today's show, we're going to talk about how bonds work, what retirees need to know. Can't wait to get to the details as we kind of peel back and get to some basics on today's show. Walter Storholt here with you. Let me introduce you to Charles, who is the founder, also a certified financial planner and CPA at CP Weldy Group, serving you in the Delaware and Chester County areas based in Chadsford, Pennsylvania, on Route 52. But wherever you are, you can find out more info on Charles and get in touch by going to cpweldygroup.com. Charles, great to be with you this week. What's going on in your world? Uh, not much, Walter. I mean, uh, we had talked earlier, you know, prior to this podcast that the uh, Phillies are in the World Series. So that's a big deal. You know, half of football, not half, but just about all Phillies, like really like uh, in love with the Philadelphia Phillies. And, you know, I just can't wait. It's going to be a great week. The World Series starts on Friday. Look out, Houston. I imagine by the time uh, this episode comes out, uh, I'm trying to do the math for how many games and how much time we've got. We may have a result by the time folks are uh, are hearing this show. But yeah, as we record, all the excitement is beginning the series. So hopefully the next time we connect to uh, do a podcast, Charles, we'll be talking about the victory for the Phillies. Sounds good. But you know what? Nobody thought they'd get this far. So, you know. So you're saying it's all all gravy from this point? uh, It's it's all gravy. But, you know, I'd like to see, uh, you know, anything can happen in the playoffs so yeah uh you know realistically you know we got we had a 50 percent shot that's the way i look at it well and uh you know since we're on the topic of sports here before we dive into bonds talk phillies aren't the only thing to be excited about in the area and the region we were talking before the show about the eagles doing well and i know philly and new york fans don't get along all that great uh charles but still just the region is experiencing a lot of fun right now with the giants with a good record the jets doing well and a lot of excitement for any any sports fan within a, a Hundred and two hundred miles of, of where you are right now. Oh yeah, the good thing about sports, Walter, it brings everybody together. You know what I mean? With yep. the country so divided, I mean, it's just great to you know just uh, have something in common with other people and really like you know kind of express it. So it's great. Fantastic. That's a great sentiment. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about bonds a little bit today, Charles. This is a topic that I think a lot of people maybe take for granted. Uh, you know, bonds are one of those things. I feel like they kind of slide under the radar because they don't get as much pomp and circumstance as the stock market and that sort of thing. And so bonds just kind of slide under the radar. And I think that leads to some, I don't know, maybe uh, undereducation about the topic, maybe some misunderstandings, that sort of thing. Uh, And a lot of folks do misunderstand bonds and how they work and the role that they play in a proper financial plan. So we're just going to kind of take things back to basics on the show today and address some of those bond-related issues on the program. So first of all, Charles, because we do see some misunderstandings about bonds from time to time, can you just kind of explain how they work? Take us back to you know the, the third grade level here, and, and let, let's use that as a starting point. Sure. So let's start with the uh, issuer of the bond. So basically, you got an entity that needs money, so they can raise it one of two ways. They can sell stock or they can issue bonds. So bonds, you know, they issue bonds and basically on their balance sheet, they're being the company, they have a debt, you know, liability. And, you know, uh, if you're a buyer of those bonds, you have an asset, you know, which pays interest. And, you know, bonds have different, uh, I guess, uh, durations. You know, some might be three years, five years, 10 years plus. And generally speaking, the longer, you know, the bond uh, is going to be out there, a 10-year bond, 
you know, historically should pay more than, say, a short-term bond. So, um, yeah, that's kind of how they work is they're debt instruments issued by a company in lieu of stock. Uh, you're a creditor, so you're in line to get paid if the company experiences some difficulty. Um, and generally speaking, you just get a coupon. It's an interest rate. And depending upon, you know, what the coupon is, people gravitate towards them where they, you know, uh, they don't gravitate towards them. So, uh, that's kind of like, um, I guess, a third grade level overview of how bonds work. Well, that's perfect. That's exactly what I asked for. So thank you very much, Charles. Appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> well done. All right. So let's talk a little bit more about bonds and broaden things out to bond funds, because some people have been exposed to that side of the equation. And what's the whole difference here between a bond fund and owning maybe an individual bond? So, yeah, I think you're right. Most investors do own bond funds. So basically a bond fund could be, you know, a, a, I guess, uh, what, an inventory of bonds, um, you know, maybe 100, 200, 300, you know, 1,000 bonds in one particular bond fund. And, you know, I guess they're good in the sense that you don't have to do a lot of research. You basically buy a bond category. Uh, but the detriment to that is that in lieu of owning like an individual bond, when you're in a bond fund, you might have some bonds that mature in three years, five years, seven years, 10 years. And, you know, you have other investors in that bond fund. And if there's a liquidity issue where some of the investors need their money sooner rather than later, some of those bonds could be sold at a loss. And, uh, you know, you could experience some losses without even selling your own individual bonds because you're in this bond fund. Uh, contrary to that, if you own an individual bond and you're getting a coupon, even if like interest rates go up and bond values go down, you don't have to worry about losing any money as long as you don't sell that bond. So generally speaking, let's just take an example. You own a 10-year bond and during those 10 years, interest rates go up dramatically. So your bond, you know, might be worth less because your neighbor can get a, a bond with a higher coupon. The fact that you can hold that bond to maturity, you know, you will not lose your principal. So that's really the big distinction, Walter, between owning a bond fund, which is like an inventory of bonds with different durations, so to speak, as opposed to owning individual bonds, which has one specific duration date. And, um, you know, again, pluses and minuses. I mean, if you own individual bonds, you generally have to commit more of your capital towards that because they don't just sell them in like $100 increments. Hmm. I'm going to guess this is the case, Charles, but I know that you're the one meeting with people every single day and uh, kind of uncovering these misconceptions and misunderstandings about bonds and other investments. Do you ever see people who are invested in bonds and, and maybe they don't even realize it? Uh, you know, I would say if they have individual bond funds, you know, most people aren't really that naive. They do, you know, recognize that they're in fixed income. But what I see, Walter, is a lot of people are in what we call asset allocation funds or target funds. And these funds give the, um, I guess, the uh, manager of the fund the opportunity to maybe switch that bond stock allocation, uh, like a target fund that maybe the target date would be, what are we in now, 2022? Let's just say you had a 2025 target date. That portfolio would have more bonds since, hey, you only have three years till that portfolio is going to be needed for income. If you had somebody that was young and didn't need the money till 2035, there'd be a less you know, allocation towards bonds in that particular target fund. I have a personal bias against target funds because, you know, realistically, uh, sometimes like you just put the money in there and you go to sleep, you don't really realize what's going on. I'd rather have a client that basically has stocks and stock funds, bonds and bond funds, so they can actually see what their allocation is. 
And when things go out of uh, out of whack in terms of like, hey, maybe the market went down and now your bond allocation, because it pretty much stayed the same, you know, is more than it should be, then you can rebalance it. If you have an asset allocation fund, yeah, you're counting on the manager to do that. But by and large, you know, you really don't have a good idea about what portion on any particular day is allocated towards fixed income. We're talking about bonds kind of peeling back these layers a little bit to understand them some more. Now, we hear a lot about interest rates, and I know that there's this uh, relationship between bonds and interest rates. So whenever we get interest rate news, there's kind of this converse news that comes out or always affects bond values. Can you explain that relationship a little bit and what's important for investors to know? Sure. Um, I don't know. Is it a teetotler? Is that what you call it? Like it's almost like a sliding board? I, where I think one's... it's one of those things where half the country calls it a teeter-totter and the other okay. half calls it a seesaw. Yeah. All right, I'll call it a seesaw because I'm from the, uh, the Northeast. So, yeah. you know, I, I, I always seesawed. We're going to seesaw. Yeah. 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 So, so picture a seesaw. One end is interest rates. The other end is uh, you know bond values. And as interest rates go up, the bond values will go down. And why? Well, you know, the classic example I use, if you had a 3% bond today that you own, and your neighbor tomorrow, if interest rates go up, can buy a 4% bond, then, you know, realistically, your bond becomes less in terms of like what it's really worth because, hey, you know, your neighbors can get four. So that's, you know, that's really how they work inversely to interest rates. If interest rates go up, bond values go down. Now, back in the 80s, 90s, Bonds were pretty good because interest rates were going up. I remember the Jimmy Carter days. I might be dating myself, but like, I mean, people had 13, 14% CDs. Uh, they were very happy with them. Investors uh, that bought mortgages, uh, not investors, but like, you know, people that bought homes, you know, if you got a 9% interest rate, you were happy. I mean, what happened after the 80s, 90s is interest rates started, you know, really to go down and remain down. And that really made, I guess, um, What's the point I want to make here? Uh, if interest rates went down, um, you know, bond values uh, basically appear to be good because, you know, again, if you look at that seesaw, interest rates down, you have a coupon of three. Now your neighbor gets two. I mean, for the most part, your bonds, you know, growing in value, total return. The problem today is that interest rates are going up. I mean, obviously, um, if on a podcast two months ago, you could probably have got, gone out and gotten a 4% long-term mortgage. Now they're at seven. So as interest rates go up, bond values go down. I have the personal opinion that today being in bond funds may be more risky than being in stock funds. And a lot of people don't realize that, um, you know, you can lose money in bonds. I had a client recently that had, you know, an IRA at Vanguard, maybe worth like 1.8 million. He had like three, four hundred thousand dollars in a bond fund and the bond fund went down like 12 percent in one year. He was shocked. Uh, obviously, you know, he's not in that anymore. You know, we kind of corrected that. But by and large, um, you know, people that are sophisticated, a lot of them don't realize that bond funds can be risky. I think it's a great point, uh, Charles, because, you know, a lot of people do have that assumption that bonds are considered that safe and conservative part of the portfolio. And you drew an excellent um, illustration there of why that's not always the case. Uh, lastly, since we're doing a deep dive on the topic today, what else do you find helpful to share with your clients about bonds? Where else do we need a little education on this topic? 
Well, I mean, you know, again, you can't just like ignore bonds because obviously most people need a buffer to their stock portfolio. But, you know, I I don't particularly care for them. And, you know, again, if I have a bias, it's a professional bias. I mean, I've been around the block, you know, many, many years. And uh, we have like a lot of clients that have managed accounts where, you know, maybe an average typical client might have um, a moderate portfolio, which is 60% stock, 40% fixed income. What we're finding, Walter, is like, hey, we might, you know, we might be able to serve this client better by peeling out that 40% that's allocated to bonds in, say, that managed account and really maybe reallocating it to another fixed income product. I mean, again, like, you know, the people that are listening to this, like, it's not that, you know, uh, I mean, I find a lot of people that are really negative about annuities, but if we named them something else, like this is called a bond alternative. Uh, you know, an annuity, a fixed annuity, and I'm not talking variable, I'm talking fixed. A fixed annuity or fixed index annuity is just a, a debt instrument that basically you can purchase in lieu of a bond fund. And, you know, most of them, you know, if you don't get riders that have no fees, they have some upsides where if you just bought a plain, you know, one year bond, you might today get 4% or maybe a little north of 4%. Um, if you wanted to link it to the market, you might get as much as 8 or 9% if the market performed. And if the market went down as little as zero. So again, I'm not here to say like, you know, all fixed annuities or fixed index annuities are better than bonds. What I'm really saying is, you know, if you have 40% of your portfolio underperforming and you're getting charged a management fee, uh, you might be better served by peeling out that 40%, putting it in an alternative investment like a fixed annuity or a fixed index annuity, having no fee, and the remaining 60% leave in stock. And you still have the same like asset allocation, 60-40, but you have less fees, less risk, and higher potential returns. So, you know, that's why I think it's really critical for a lot of people that even if they're smart, to maybe look at the services of a financial advisor and just see what else might be out there to enhance what they've already perhaps been able to achieve on their own. Well, thank you so much for the clear breakdown of bonds, what retirees need to know. And here you go. If you've got more questions about bonds and you want to talk to Charles a little bit more about it or have him look at particular bonds that might be in your portfolio, are you properly allocated uh, in that portfolio? Do you have the right plan in place to get you to and through retirement? If those are the kinds of questions bouncing around in your head and you're not quite sure where bonds fit in and what the proper mix is and all those kinds of things, well, that's just part of the planning process. And you can go through that process easily with Charles and the team at CP Weldy Group. Pick up the phone, give them a call. That's one way to get in touch at 610-388-7705. That's 610-388-7705. Or go online to cpweldygroup.com. And we'll link to the contact information in the description of today's show so you can find it easily. Well, Charles, thank you so much. Really appreciate your help and guidance on the show. And uh, we'll look forward to another good topic with you next time around. Thanks, Warren. Let's go Phillies. Yeah, you got it. Absolutely. Hey, coming up on the next episode, we're going to be talking about common questions about taxes in retirement planning. We're on this kick of kind of taking things back to basics, if you will. So we talked about bonds today. We're going to dive into taxes next time around. I bet you're asking some of these common questions. We'll get the skinny from Charles on the next episode. So come back and join us for that right here on Reengineering Your Finances.
Financial planning and advisory services are offered through Prosperity Capital Advisors, PCA, an SEC-registered investment advisor. Registration as an investment advisor does not imply a certain level of skill or training. The CP Weldy Group and PCA are separate non-affiliated entities. PCA does not provide tax or legal advice.